Yes, it is, and welcome back. Tuesday, December 28th, 2021. If you miss, missed my uh, monologue in the first hour, everything's all always available here at uh, 960thepatriot.com. And uh, I was talking about, well, you've heard me on COVID before, uh, talking about all the dramatic things that have changed and been proven to be wrong, though they came from Mount Olympus, the CDC, or Anthony Fauci. And uh, I, I, I identified five major things to add to the list that took place just this month. Um, I was I, I, I might get, go back to it. I, I just want to close the loop on something that even I uh, actually had, uh, had forgotten. Um, and I was reminded of it by, uh, well, by my producer, Bill, and actually Adam Carolla, uh, Bill telling me to listen to an Adam Carolla podcast. And, uh, and it, was, um, it, was, it, was, it was worth being reminded about. This was an interview, and it's funny, it didn't make a lot of news. I, I, I'm pretty good at picking these things up, and I don't remember this when it came out. Something else must have been going on. But it was in September, right? It was in uh, September of, uh, of uh, this year, September of 2021, that Sanjay Gupta, the House uh, physician, uh, the House doctor at CNN, was interviewing uh, Anthony Fauci. And uh, this exchange took place. It, very curious, this. Uh, go ahead, Bill, if you don't mind. And just, and just real quickly, um, there was a study that came out of Israel about natural immunity. And basically the headline was that natural immunity provides a lot of protection, even better than the vaccines alone. Um, how, what, are, what are people to make of that? So, so as we talk about vaccine mandates, there are, I get calls all the time. People say, I've already had COVID. I'm protected. And now the study says maybe even more protected than the vaccine alone. Should they also get the vaccine? How do you make the case to them? Bill? You know, that's a really good point, Sanjay. I don't have a really firm answer for you on that. That's something I don't have a really firm answer to which Adam said we're 19 months into this thing and natural immunity has not occurred to the worldwide expert. Anthony Fauci, 19 months into this thing and he has nothing to say about natural immunity. Keep going. That we're going to have to discuss regarding the durability of the response. The one thing the paper from Israel didn't tell you is whether or not as high as the protection is with natural infection, what's the durability compared to the durability mm. of a vaccine? So Stop. Lie. Lie. I have the study in front of me. They do a really interesting thing in these kinds of studies, thanks to uh, Yale and the, uh, and the BMJ. They do a very um, – they, they do an abstract with the background, the methods, the results – and the conclusions. The conclusions is only two sentences. Here's the conclusion. This study demonstrated that natural immunity confers longer lasting and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic disease, and hospitalization caused by the Delta variant of SARS-CoV-2 compared to the two-dose vaccine-induced immunity. That's sentence one. Sentence two, Individuals who were both previously infected with SARS-CoV-2 and given a single dose of the vaccine did gain additional protection against it. Durability was covered in the study. He said it wasn't. 
in this paper. It was, and it was found to be greater than the vaccines. So he's either lying or unfamiliar. But the idea that 19 months in, he doesn't have a good statement to give to CNN on natural immunity. Maybe that's why he goes on CNN, because he doesn't expect questions like that. Maybe. And maybe he was surprised by the question. It was, after all, a real question. Sanjay Gupta couched it a lot in the framing of it. You want to hear the couching of it? Yeah, do it again. Take it from the top. Adam made a meal of this. He was right to. Quickly, um, there was a study that came out of Israel about natural immunity. And basically, the headline was that natural immunity provides a lot of protection, even better than the vaccines alone. Um, what what are people to make of that? So so as we talk about vaccine mandates, there are, I get calls all the time. People say I've already had COVID, I'm protected, and now the study says maybe even more protected. Maybe than the even more alone. protected? No, no. Adam does a better job than I can. He can also say things I can't say, <laughs> given his platform. But no, no, no. Not maybe. Thirteen times more. Thirteen times more. And the study was replicated. And Anthony Fauci says the one thing it doesn't discuss is durability. Oh, yes, it does. It's in the conclusion. The study demonstrated that natural immunity confers longer lasting and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic disease and hospitalization caused by the variant compared to the two dose vaccine induced immunity. Yes, it does. The idea at this point in his career of natural immunity being a head-scratcher to him, or a new thing, is totally laughable, but sad, because people just heard that and thought, oh, okay, well, we can dismiss that study. Yeah, we can. We did. We dismissed that study. And you will never hear Joe Biden talking about natural immunity. And it's not as if Anthony Fauci went back to the office and said, okay, guys, what are we going to say about natural immunity? What have you heard him say about it? What have you heard him say about it? All right. That's just an addendum to my monologue. I um, I had to uh, I had to use it. It was audio I missed when it came out. Thank you, Bill, for bringing it to my attention, even if uh, if even if by reference. Uh, one other small thing before we get to the big things again. Uh, interesting enough to me, uh, Time magazine's person of the year. It's it's been out for a while. Uh, it's been out, I guess, for a couple weeks. And I remember it coming out and I wanted to say something about it then I didn't get a chance to it's Elon Musk I don't know how many people can tell you that it's Elon Musk time person of the year used to be a much bigger deal many of you will remember how big a deal it was when Greta Thunberg made it that was only in 2019 the year before COVID it wouldn't surprise you to know that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris made times person of the year last year and this year it's Elon Musk. But it was a big deal when Greta Thunberg got it, wasn't it? She was a big deal um, who's been forgotten. And the idea that Greta Thunberg, I mean, this says something about the corporate media and the culture, doesn't it? That they would put Greta Thunberg, all of at the time, I think 16 years old, as a person of the year for uh, her environmental activism, thinking that this is going to be someone they're going to be proud to have made person of the year in 
looking back. I presume they think about that. Well, looking back, you know, are we going to be embarrassed by this? I assume that's a question they ask or does this person have a great future and were we in on the ground or at least in the early uh, on the early floors of her rise? Uh, she's gone, of course, nowhere. And it was covered everywhere. Elon Musk. Elon Musk uh, is getting uh, zero coverage, credibility, um, saturation for being person of the year. After all, why would he? He doesn't fit any of the boxes that the corporate media care about, except for the fact that he wasn't born here. You'd think that might be something worthwhile, but unfortunately from the wrong country, unfortunately of the wrong race, unfortunately of the wrong gender, only employed 110,000 people, only created hundreds of thousands of jobs. But, you know, we'll talk about how great it is that Greta Thunberg made that list. What we honor and what we esteem as much as what we dishonor and disesteem is a really good way to think about what a culture is and what a culture values and how safe and healthy a culture is as well. What does it value? What does it esteem? I made reference. Maybe it was oblique. I'm not sure. I hope it wasn't too oblique in my monologue to the fact that isn't it something, isn't it somewhat telling that the business partner as well as partners in other respects the business partner as well as partner in other respects of Jeffrey Epstein's trial is going on in New York and it's getting about a hundredth the coverage of other trials that took place in the last two months of people you've never heard about. Could it possibly be that it involves a lot of liberals and Democrats? Certainly the crimes aren't any less. Child sex prostitution and trafficking that used to be something we cared about, too, in this culture. I guess if it's committed by or involves the elite classes that those corporate media types like to hang around with, they're not going to cover it. That should have been the jury trial of the year. It's nowhere on the radar. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Mike is in Carefree. Hello, Mike. Hi, Seth. How are you? I am fine. Are you the uh, physician up there? Did I lose you? You still there? Sounds like you may have hit mute by accident. Mike, are you still? Uh, oh, there you are. There you are. Can you start over? Because I think okay. we just broke yeah. up. Yeah, start over if you don't mind. Okay. Well, I, I said I was saying I'm glad you started following the medical letter Yale and the BMJ because that's the only way you'll get the truth about COVID. You're my you're you're the but, physician, yeah. right? You're a physician. Yeah. You 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 know right. why I will uh, never forget you. I will never forget you, though I'm not sure if we've ever met, and I don't mean uh, to 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 uh, offend you if we have, but I, I just know a lot of mics. <laughs> but I will never forget you as a caller because you taught me a word, and I'll never forget anyone who teaches me a word. You taught me a word about fo – you taught me the word fomite and non-fomite transmission, and I'll never forget you for that. Oh. Thank you. 
you're very welcome. You betcha. Anyway, so I, yeah, that's not why you called. Go ahead. No, I, over, the, over the weekend, I was listening to, I think it was CNN, and Yo-Yo Ma, who's a wonderful cellist, yep. uh, was being quoted as if he's some paragon of virtue, uh-huh. and, and saying that um, the needs of the masses over, override the rights of a few. Hmm. And, and which was a, a terrifying statement on its face, but yep. I think what's, what's more, more terrifying is that what the elites are really saying is the desires of the elite override the, the, the rights of the mass. I totally agree you with you. I, rights, absolutely right. Everyone knows the concept of a tyranny of the majority. Few people talk about the tyranny of the minority. Yes. Absolutely and right. When, yeah, so that's, that's just what I wanted to say because it, it's, it scares me when they start talking about, well, it, a few people have to give up their rights. Yeah. Like, no, that's not the fundamentals of how we had a great country. By the way, what few? I thought everyone had to give up their rights. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, no, I, no, I no, like really. I mean, think it through with me, Mike. I, I don't remember. I don't remember, you know, people getting a choice on a lot of things. School closings, business no. closings, how, what they had to do if they, you know, if they tested positive or if they tested negative. I mean, it, they're just reshaping the vocabulary as they go here. Well, I mean, we, while we're at it, we might as well take away suffrage from women and blacks because, you know, in, in their time when those issues came up, they were considered not good for the majority. I mean, you know, Mike, if that's yeah, I mean, if 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 that's how we govern, I mean, but it it's it 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 was a it was an interesting uh, start here when uh, Biden a week ago, Joe Biden, President Biden a week ago, said individual rights, freedom. What about patriotism? And I just thought about it for a second. You know, what does patriotism mean without freedom? They don't call it patriotism in China. You know, it's a certain kind of nationalism. It's not there is no such thing as patriotism without freedom. There's no reason to be patriotic. It's called blindly following or it may be it may be following because of the tyranny and the enforcement of of you having to follow. You know, you can get big crowds in in, in authoritarian regimes because they force you there by the barrel of a gun in Mao's words. Right. What is the point? I don't know how you can get rid of the organ and demand the function. If you don't, if you don't put paramount the rights of the individual, where are we with civil rights? Where are we with, you know, when when we have something go on like that horrid hunting down of the unarmed black man in Georgia the right. other day, and, right? And things like that. It's like right. those are the rights that are paramount. That's that's why Thomas Jefferson wrote so extensively. About a hundred men must go free if necessary to keep one man uh, from being unjustly imprisoned. Mike, it's an it's an awfully big uh, point you're making here because you know this is a theory of this was the theory that animated um, the the theory of Biden, the theory of Yo Yo Ma. Uh, it's the theory that animated the Confederacy in the first place. The notion of concurrent majorities, the notion that a majority in some area should have veto rights because um, of the minorities in that area not being able to uh, not being able to uh, be given those rights. And that's why what happened in Georgia hurt so many of us. We all felt for that. You're right. The horrible, horrible killing in Georgia. We all felt for that, as we should have. 
as we should always feel when an individual gets killed. The death of any man diminishes me because I consider myself a part of mankind, John Dunn said. What happened to that notion? The left is what happened. The left is what happened to that notion. Marxism is what happened to that notion. It's not about the individual anymore. And by the way, I don't know if you'll agree with me. I'm going to take it a step further, Mike. But, you know, in the conservative movement, we tend to say something that I'm not fully down with, and I think it takes us further away from individual rights. A lot of people like to talk in our movement about states' rights, and they're not wrong. But really, the Constitution and this founding wasn't about states' rights any more than it was about federal rights. It was all about individual rights. Individual rights are how we should begin all these discussions, not anyone else's well, rights. I, I, I sent you a book not too long ago about America's 30 Years' War. Oh, yes. written in the 90s. Oh, yes. And the, the most salient thing in that was this Hungarian artist who, or musician who came to America said, this is how communism starts, yep. like by inventing words about rights. And he went through over and over, civil rights, this kind of rights, that kind of rights. He said, well, what everyone in America has is constitutional rights. Right. And right. if you put constitutional rights, there's no need for civil rights or anything else, because the way the, way the Constitution was written and the, and the Declaration of Independence Slavery was illegal from its get-go. You bet. You bet. That's really well put, Mike. And you wouldn't have to have civil rights or any other kinds of rights if we all well remembered that we the people who the Constitution was written for are the same we who hold these truths to be so. It was always about the individual. It was always about the individual. And not by dint of the color of his skin or the country he came from. By dint of him being Absolutely. a little lower than God and a little higher than an animal, by being a human being. Absolutely. Well, thank you. God bless you, Mike. Thank you, and uh, happy well. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you, sir. Thank you, you as well. You betcha. Thank you. Yeah, um, I can say more about that. I don't want to make too big of a deal of it, but whenever I hear conservatives in their in their in their speeches, it's it's you know it's a typical line that hear about states' rights, and I get it, I understand the point of it, but it would be nice if we reemphasized and emphasized further, not so much states' rights as individual rights. I think it would take us into a whole new political territory, and you know the left has used this notion of states' rights as a as a kind of dog whistle. I don't believe in dog whistles, and I've done a monologue or two on states' rights and dog whistles, so I'm not going to buy into it. But to the degree they have succeeded in making states' rights sound like some kind of, um, I don't know, pre-civil rights re uh, revanchism, individual rights might get you a lot farther and a lot further. It's a better and more important thing anyway. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. If you woke up to the news this morning and saw something actually new, uh, it would have been uh, the stories that I saw leading CBS, NBC, and ABC, and PB, uh, NPR 
which were increase in children hospitalizations due to the Omicron variant. Hospitals seeing spikes, hospitals seeing rise, hospitals inundated with child admissions. Um, Please, please, please don't rely on headlines. Please understand who this is written for and more importantly, who it is written by. If you must read the story, read the story and do your own research, of course. But if you must read their story, read the whole story, because what you will find, for example, at the NBC News site on it, down in paragraph nine, which I just don't think most people get to, is this from an infectious diseases expert at one of Philadelphia's largest hospital, which has seen a rise in children going to the hospital with COVID. Let me quote him. We test anybody who's admitted to the hospital for whatever reason to see whether or not they have COVID. And we're definitely seeing an increase of cases, but it's the cold and flu season. Children are being brought here for a lot of reasons, not usually COVID. Quote, we're really not seeing an increase in children who are hospitalized for COVID or in the ICU for COVID. This is known different than any other month during the experience of COVID over the last two years. Children go in. They may have flu. They may have a bad cold. They may have broken a leg. They may have stumbled. They may have chipped a tooth. They are tested. Lo and behold, they carry COVID. Hospitals are overwhelmed with children testing positive for COVID. Imagine that in the cold and flu season. Imagine that. Take it easy. Take it easy. Obsta principis, my old classics professor taught me. Obsta principis. I don't think we've ever said that, done that on this on this uh, on this show before, have we, Bill? You like new words. Obsta principis. Beware first thoughts. Beware initial thoughts. I say obsta principis on every piece of news you get these days. Every piece. Do your homework. Do your homework. It was, however, quite a year of learning uh, for a lot of us. I think we learned a lot about this uh, culture in this country this year. There's a lot of things I still have to learn. I will not and do not understand why people choose to believe in fear. I do not get that. Fear against all evidence. I do not and will not understand that. I understood it better last year. You know why I understood it better last year? Because it was so clearly used as a political weapon. It was so clearly used as a political weapon against anything Trump or Republican. Joe Biden campaigned on it. Joe Biden campaigned, I'll shut down the virus, unlike this current president. Joe Biden campaigned on it, saying 220 deaths on his watch makes him ineligible to be president. He campaigned on it hard. He released a federal COVID plan only for yesterday for him to tell the governors of America there is no federal role here. 
the states have to do it. Cold comfort, I'm supposing, for all those headlines against Ron DeSantis for doing everything he could when it wasn't in line with what the feds wanted him to do. But it was a very political use, and I understood that. But now when they own the politics, I don't understand it anymore. I don't understand if they've ruined a half of the population here who are now more comfortable in fear, panic, and paranoia, or if they think this is a legatee that is Trump's responsibility or the Republicans' responsibility. You don't hear a phrase, and I'll thankfully attribute common sense to it, that you heard up until about a month ago. You don't hear the phrase, this is a disease of the unvaccinated. You don't hear that phrase anymore. You know why? It's not because the CDC is giving you breakthrough information like they used to, but they have the information. They're probably telling people better not do it anymore. If you go to some of the state reporting, Minnesota does it, Vermont does it, not all of them. But if you go to some of the state reporting of breakthrough hospitalizations, you're in the 30 to 50 percent range. 30 to 50 percent are vaccinated who are hospitalized. The disease of the unvaccinated, another false talking point of the left. You know, there's a funny thing about this song. It's I don't quite understand it, um, but I there's something about it I want to understand. There's something in here I want to understand. And um, do you all know who Larry Arn is? He's the president of Hillsdale. He tells the story. He was a uh, undergrad at uh, University of Arkansas, and um, he went on to get his graduate work at uh, Claremont for one reason and one reason only. Um, he said he read a book by a guy named Harry Jaffa called Crisis of the House Divided. And he said, I didn't fully understand it, but I knew I wanted to. And that's why I went to Claremont for my graduate studies. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I just thought that interesting. Anyway, hello, Rick. Happy New Year, Rick. Thank you very much, Seth, and Happy New Year to you, and thank you for sharing that great story. What a great philosophy and way to approach things. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. That's, it that's, is. That's it neat. is. Wanting that's to learn, neat. the thirst for understanding, right? Yeah, you bet. Say, I didn't get to uh, call in and talk to you last week, so I want to wish you a belated Mele Kalikimaku. Oh, well, thank you, Rick, you and to you as well. <laughs> in whatever language much. that is, I'm guessing Hawaiian. It is. Okay. That's right. Okay. Correct. Okay. <laughs> I don't... I, hey, so Seth, yeah. on a serious note, yeah, yeah. Uh, the reason for calling uh, is because your, your show has been, as always, great, and uh, I just am so thankful, continue to be so thankful for it, and, and pray that you will just continue to have a wider and wider, broader voice and... And uh, what I'm calling about is uh, you were asking about fear. About yeah, why, why do so people choose to live there? Yeah, why do the people but choose to live in that city? I, I don't know if I have the answer for sure, but I kind of wonder. I wonder if the reason is that fear gives you the option of not having to be responsible. Hmm. Somebody else is responsible. Mm. It's somebody else's fault. Mm. I don't have to be accountable. 
I can just sort of kick back and bemoan and complain or whatever and take the take the benefits as well as the consequences. And uh, so it's a more comfortable way of dealing with life than it is to be active and proactive and courageous. I'm going to accept it, and I'm going to add to it. I think you're on to something, okay. Rick. Um, right. But there has to be a, uh, an element here of discussion of religion as well, too, doesn't it? Uh, yes. Th- there yeah. is no... I mean, I'm less familiar with uh, Islam, but of the three world's major religions, I know at least two of the three, and I'm guessing it's true of Islam, but I'm I, I, I'm pretty sure that that it's 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 to be understood that you shouldn't live in fear. That's it's to correct. be understood that you should only fear God, and that fear is a terrible motivator as well as an emotion. That's correct. That's correct. And as someone pointed out on your show last week or two, uh, there is a passage that says, perfect love casts out fear. Yeah. So, you know, that's the love of God casts that fear out. And, yes, you are absolutely right, Seth. There is, there must be an element of religion involved there. And, and conversely, when that element of religion is not involved, I believe that's why the door opens so wide for people to be fearful. Yeah. If, if we trust in God, if we really believe that He loves us, that He wants the best for us, and that He is going to do the best for us, then we don't have to fear we can face life with courage. But if we don't believe that, life is a pretty scary place. Dennis Prager made a point last week. He repeated it today, and I think it's new to him, um, so he's trying it out a little bit. And Uh I think he's right. And he said there is no such hatred, excuse me, there is no such hatred as that of those who are afraid against those who are unafraid. That's a weird thing, too, isn't it? There's a lot of hatred of the fear those who are afraid against those who just aren't afraid. Yeah. Wow. That that is definitely worth expanding yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, it's worth thinking on, at. I think. Yeah. He 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 trotted that out. He admitted today he trotted it out for the first time last week. I think he said it occurred to him last week. And the more you think about it, it helps explain it helps explain you know the uh, the shaming that's been going on, uh, right. the the the, uh, the shaming that's been going on unjustly. Yeah, but you know it involves another emotion we're not supposed to have, not just fear. It involves the emotion. Is it an emotion? Hatred. Yes. You're not right. supposed to hate, and you're not supposed to fear. And I think I'm on solid ground in saying that the unity of psychology and the unity of uh, those involved in personal and relationship counseling and those experts in that field, I'm pretty sure from the literature I've read, there's a unanimity that the two worst emotions to base a decision on are fear and hatred. Yes, and I would agree with you completely on that. And here we are just doing everything based on fear and hatred as a country. Hell of a culture that's done that, isn't it? Well, here's the thing. The hatred, I think, is there because of the fear of being exposed by 
by those who are not fearful. And so the shaming goes on as well. Uh, you know, it's, and it's what you've been doing today, Seth, is, tremend- is a tremendous service to uh, the American public and to uh, all of us uh, to uh, tell the truth about what is being discovered about the COVID vaccines and what's being tr- uh, discovered about COVID and all of that. And <laughs> I just, I, I want to pull my hair out every time I hear Dr. Fauci. I do too. I want to pull my hair out thinking he's a legitimate uh, interview anymore, yeah. having admitted to lying, having yeah, admitting to being ignorant about basic facts. Yeah. <laughs> It is. It's unbelievable. But maybe the reason he's given so much credibility is because he's surrounded by people that are hating, hateful and fearful. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. And the other element I would add to this is um, it's an awfully tall ladder these people have climbed to come down from. In dismissing the p- concerns, thoughts, analysis, and studies from our perspective. I mean, yeah. for them to admit they were wrong, for them to admit error, that, oh, yeah. that, that, that they, ju- they just never do. When's, oh, yeah. the, when's the last time you heard a Democrat apologize for something? Honestly. <laughs> Has never. Eric Swalwell <laughs> apologized for colluding with a Chinese spy? I mean, has Ilan Omar apologized for her anti-American conspiracy theories and anti-Semitic slurs? Has AOC apologized for costing her constituency thousands of jobs by efforting the elimination of, uh, of an Amazon processing center in her district? They never do, and they never will. Again, I think we can agree on at least this. The worst form of shame is having none. Lewis and Hugh Hallman on deck. Uh, We're going to go through some of this stuff and obviously, uh, as always, take your calls as well if you want to uh, get in line to talk to the Hallmans and me. 6025080960 I want to um point your attention to a column if you haven't read it um and it's Dennis Prager's end of the year column the year we just lived through you can get it at his website dennisprager.com he did something interesting um he wrote a rather long column about everything he learned this year Dennis is particularly good about saying what he learned on his radio show, what he learns, what he learned. Uh, I think it's a very honest thing he does. You don't get that from a lot of people or a lot of public figures. They don't tell you what they didn't know and what occurred to them late in life or what they realized or discovered late in life. He's very, very good about that. It's what makes him, I think, such a good teacher is he's, he's willing to learn with the students. I'd like to think I try and uh, emulate some of that. I'll be honest with you when I don't know something or when I learn something new. <clears throat> I just want to give you an excerpt of one thing he learned that every, every, everything he writes in this column is really worth cogitating on. But this one I thought I just wanted to give you an, a, 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 um, a sample. He says on June 29th he learned safetyism 
like all religions, places what it values, in this case being safe, above other values. Safetyism explains the willingness of Americans to give up their most cherished values, including liberty, in the name of safety. The desire to lead as – this is really interesting. The desire to lead as safe a life as possible is a major factor that explains why fewer and fewer young Americans are getting married and even fewer are having children. Neither marriage nor having children – is safe. Both are filled with tremendous risk. You can live a safe life, he writes, or you can live a full life. You can't live both. Focus on that for half a moment with me. Living a safe life or living a full life. The people who elevate concerns about COVID and, you know, an abundance of caution or safety Why have they never uttered a single word about any of the other things that are of much greater risk to children by numbers and percentages? Why is it they found their voice with children in COVID? Nothing ever about substance use or drug abuse initiation or drowning or riding in a car. Why this? Why this? I think because they discovered something that sells. And it's not a good commentary on this country that so many people were willing to buy it. Wholesale madness, retail sanity, Leo Strauss said. The Holman's coming right up. 